Hello, Voyagers. Yes, me and Andrew have picked a name for our listeners because listeners is so generic. <laughs> listeners is so generic. And we want you guys to feel special when you tune into an episode of Tabletop Submarine. So we're just going to go with Voyagers now. So Voyagers, we are putting this little, I guess, prelude to the episode with Kevin to say thank you for one year of voyages. Andrew, it's been one year since you and me met up on Discord and talked about starting this together. It, how, that's crazy. Like, how do you feel about yeah. that? Yeah. And it's gone quickly, too. That's what, um, what is it, 27 episodes? How many How many episodes has it been? We're almost 28, 29, I think, at this point. Yeah, and we're going to start branching into some new territory. So this thing is growing tremendously. The 1,000 downloads was something that really kind of knocked my socks off. I did not expect to have this level of success considering we have zero advertising budget. So this is all word of mouth. Um, we do this for the love of the game specifically, and we've really, really loved meeting all these really cool people and starting new relationships. I mean, that's been the biggest thing, hasn't it? Like meeting people who we never, I never thought I would be acquainted with in my entire life. People who are, you know, these giants in the industry. And now people I can call acquaintances and friends. People who I respect and admire. And they are willing to come on our little podcast and just share their favorite stories about games they have played. I mean, when we first started this, I just wanted, I wanted to create a podcast about the people of board gaming. And then you came along and helped me refine that definition. I think, I think we're doing that. I think, I, how do you feel about how the podcast is going so far? I think the quality has been pretty amazing, all things considered, since we are very low tech. Um, and that's a tribute to you and your efforts. So that's amazing. I think that's great. Um, and I love to see people sharing our podcast with other people. I, that happened the other day where uh, somebody mentioned our podcast in a post that I didn't have to do myself. That was pretty cool. Oh, that's, that's such a good feeling when someone else recommends your podcast. You're like, oh, maybe we are doing something right. <laughs> I, I saw that and that felt really good for sure. But none of this is possible without our Voyagers. And we just want to, I'm going to, we're going to take a turns here, but I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. You know, this is, this was a project I started to help me meet people and help me network among the industry. And it still is. But it's become something a lot more to me. That even like I was extremely passionate. I'm still extremely passionate about like design and stuff. And making board games. This has become almost a second if not head-to-head passion. Is making quality episodes and delivering quality content to our Voyagers. And I never thought I'd be. I never thought of myself as a content creator before. But here we are. We're on a good track I think to you know, making some great co- quality content and only improving from there. So the Voyagers who have helped us and let us, may, may help us become better. Thank you. We hope to continue quality, quality content for you in the coming months, hopefully coming years. And it's all because of you and your support. So thank you, uh, Andrew. Yeah, I, I absolutely want to echo almost everything you said. And then on top of that, I want to add in that, I know there are still really great, amazing tabletop stories to be told yet on this podcast. There's still a lot of depths to explore. There's a lot of different angles we can go in. There's a lot of different caves and tunnels and underwater sea creatures to find out there. And I'm going to be even more uh, working hard to unearth some of those stories and bring those to light and, and share them with our audience. So I'm looking forward to the challenges ahead as well. Awesome. Well, we don't want to keep you too long, Voyagers, from hearing the wonderful story that Kevin has to share. So let's go ahead and start this episode off. And again, one more time, thank you. Welcome to the Tabletop Submarine where we dive a little bit deeper into why we love board games. Strap in and prepare for a deep sea adventure. You're your host. Hey, Andrew. 
Yeah. So, I recently learned about this restaurant in London. And uh, it's not really London. It's actually just England itself in the UK. It's this old-timey, industrial, revolutionary-themed restaurant, like Industrial Revolution stuff. And so they use all these old-timey cooking methods and old-timey recipes. And it's pretty intense, actually. Like, they have all, all of their... Their pots and stuff are made of yellow copper. And so it gets really, really hot. And the chefs have to be really, really careful because they're cooking like a lot of pork. And okay. if you don't know, pork burns really, really quickly. Uh-huh. So, but everything looks delicious. It sounds pretty great, doesn't it? Uh, maybe. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing, though. They, the last thing we want is those, their brass Birmingham, burning ham. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, number one pun. Ladies, g- gentlemen, fellow listeners, welcome to the Tabletop Submarine Podcast. It is so good to have you here with us. With me, as always, is my number one co-host and my partner in crime. Uh, I'm Andrew, and uh, this week, I feel like a serving wench after that joke, but that's okay. We're just keep rolling with it. Uh, this week, we have Kevin, the pun peg from the Blue Peg, Pink Peg podcast. Kevin, welcome to the show. Oh, man. Thank you guys so much for having me on. First of all, mwah, loved that pun at the beginning. It was, oh, man, it was like just sunshine on a cloudy day, okay? It just <laughs> was you know that, really Andrew? Good. I bring joy to people. <laughs> uh, you, you bring joy to some, to the rest who confound us, but that's okay. Yes, I could see Andrew. You sort of had a look on your face, like you were like, "Oh man, kiss my brass." I just, I could see it. <laughs> see that that's where you were. And he would tell more puns, but he's kind of Lincolnshire. Oh, oh, damn! All right, yeah, I can't keep up with the two of you. I have no, cra- no shot at this. All right, uh, Kevin. If uh, people don't know who you are, maybe they never heard mm-hmm. of uh, the the pun peg. Who are you? What do you do in the board game industry and all that? Oh, gosh dang. Well, I am over on the uh, podcast as well, uh, Blue Peg, Pink Peg. Our uh, kind of niche in the world is that um, we definitely talk quite in depth about board games, but we also relate it back to our personal relationships, be it with our uh, spouses, our loved ones, uh, our family, our friends, and that sort of thing, and how it kind of integrates with our life. So um, we kind of just bring all of that together under the beautiful banner of the meeple (laughs) yeah that's true you do that but what the subheads really want to know is how's your game table coming along oh wow uh so they can't see this but you guys probably can't as you can see i put a table topper on my uh table that i brought from the dump so not it's not built yet it's not done yet But it's going to be. It's going to be. That was my, my New Year's gaming resolution was to build myself a gaming table this year. And here we find ourselves almost five months in. And gosh dang, I ain't done it yet. But it's going to get done. Oh, it's going to get done. Well, you upgraded the top at least. So the playing surface, right. the most important part, has been acknowledged and touched. So that's good. You got that. And that's probably the first three, four months anyway, right? Right. So that's fair. Well, I built, the, I mean, I bought the game topper to fit the table I'm going to build. So uh, that's, I mean, that's like 90% of the battle right there, right? I think so. Yeah. You just need legs at this point, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Well, excellent. We are very pleased to have you here. I am a, a loyal Blue Peg Pink Bay listener for a long time. And if anybody else who's listening to this is not, what are you doing with your life? Just go ahead and get over there. Listen to a couple episodes. You'll be hooked like I am. It's fine. It's a great show. So thank you for joining us. Oh, man. And thanks for having me. Thanks for saying that. You know, I, uh, I'm i one of the newbies on there. I've only been on for about a year. So I was a huge fan of the show before I was on the show. So I've I've kind of been in both sides or both uh, both sides of the microphone, as you might say. So it's it's been really a cool experience, man. And I'm really just grateful to like the board gaming world in general for being like, you know what? This little weirdo with his little puns, he's okay. He's all right. <laughs> Definitely. But you're also like on a number of other different shows and podcasts, right? Like what else is on your docket? Yeah. Um, so I do a movie podcast. It's called Uncle Doug's DVD Bin. Um, and it is uh, essentially we take all your favorite movies. You know, we'll give you the plot. We'll tell you some facts about the movie. And we even occasionally make a few jokes on this podcast. Now, the the the, the I, mean, I know what you're saying. Like, who's this Uncle Doug guy? So my co-host, Trav, and I, we're both old school collectors. I've collected comic books for years. He's collected video games. And you don't do that without getting yourself down to the flea market on a regular basis. Now, sure, sure. 
In the flea markets in our area, there's a fella. Well, nay, a myth, a legend <laughs> of a man known as Uncle Doug. And Uncle Doug gave us this gigantic bin of DVDs. So we just pull a movie at random out of the bin and we talk about it. And that's how we're doing our podcast right now. It's simultaneously weird, yet somehow exciting. Yeah, it sounds awesome. So are these like the old movies? Like, is it like a, here's like a, Steven Seagal five pack of like, and you you go go over all of them and stuff or we, I mean, it has been all over the place. So like our first season, for example, which is streaming everywhere right now, we're um, working on season two. We started with a Swayze and we ended with a Swayze. So the first movie we pulled out was dirty dancing, which by the way, getting to know another man by watching dirty dancing, highly recommend it. And then we ended the season with Roadhouse. So it's in anything in between. We got Texas Chainsaw Massacre in there. Kind of something for for a little bit of everybody. I mean, you know, we 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 haven't done too many romantic comedies, I guess, but Uncle Doug's not really a romantic comedy sort of guy. But you can make the case yeah. for Dirty Dancing. Yeah, you can make a case for it. But Roadhouse, I would say is probably Patrick Swayze's best movie in my in my humble opinion. I really love Roadhouse. Ooh, come it's on. so it's it's 80s cheesiness with also actually quality action in all the best ways. Oh, come on. What about Point Break? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Uh, I, it's, the premise of Point Break is better, but I, I, I just think the scene where Patrick Swayze tears out that guy's throat in the house <laughs> just takes the cake over everything. Like that is such a, just like a, More. when I first saw that, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like I was, I was just not expecting it because it, it hadn't been that kind of movie the whole time. He just tears it out and throws it in the lake. You're like, holy crap. It's like, dang, so, Swayze, you going straight Mortal Kombat finisher on this dude. Slow well, down. He finished him hard. It was, it was incredible. I would, like those, if there's a moment in movies I was shocked and like I, like that's probably easily top five. <laughs> it's just, I was not expecting it. But we're talking a lot about movies right now. We're here to talk about board games. Oh, yeah. So how about we just go ahead? Yeah, we're a board game podcast, right, Andrew? Uh, last I heard, I'm not really 100% sure now, but keep going. We'll see. Should we take a hard ride into the DVDC? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so let's go ahead and head to our pre-launch to see what we've been playing recently. The pre-launch. Get to know us and our guests. In the pre-launch, we talk about one game we've been playing recently and what we thought about it. Kevin, let's go ahead and kick this off with what game you've been playing. Ooh, I'm excited. Now, the, um, our most recent episode, if you've listened to this, it might be slightly redundant because I'm going to talk about it, but I really like this game. Uh, it's by Portal Games. It's called Eleven. Now, it is a soccer, a.k.a. football club management sim of a game. Do I have mm-hmm. any? Do I have either one of you hooked at this point? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, yeah. It's a portal mm-hmm. game. So I know it's about stories, which makes it not about just rolling dice and moving guys somewhere on a board, maybe kicking a ball. So tell us more. Yeah. So to kind of give you the 10,000 foot view of the game, um, you are managing your own football club. Now, I, I want to be very specific in making the distinction that you, it's not a soccer sim. It's not a not not actually about the game necessarily that you're playing on match day it's about managing mm-hmm. the whole of the team so if you're looking for just a soccer sim it may not be for you however if you like economic games this is going to be one that kind of pulls you in now uh, the general gist of it is uh, on you've got uh, essentially a week is um, one uh, round of the game and you're playing through an entire season as this football club all right so each day of the week you sort of take an action and that leads up to match day whether you win whether you lose now actions can be anything from recruiting players to um, recruiting sponsors for your team to bring in revenue to upgrading Mm -hmm. your stadium your training facilities bringing in new trainers so you do all this throughout the course of the week and then you have a match day and then you start it all over again trying to score as many darn points as you can and i mean that's the ten thousand foot view of the game now um, i would say one thing that i really loved about it is how robust it is as a solo experience. So what you're telling me is this is Ted Lasso meets the King's Dilemma, is what you're telling me, right? (laughs) Kinda, kinda, yeah. I mean, it just depends on how cheerful you are while you're playing it. Because old Ted, he's a a cheerful fella. 
but um, <laughs> and it's got a really robust so, uh, solo play. So you get about six uh, scenarios in there that you're kind of playing through, and each one is you got to just sort of fulfill whatever requirement is. So for example, one is you can only have players of a certain caliber and you can't finish last place in the league. Okay. All right. That sounds like fun. So there's a few things like that. Now um, it does offer obviously multiplayer um, ability, you know, it goes up to four slows down a little bit. And I, you know, honestly just don't like it as much with other people around. Isn't that weird? No, I think that that's a simulation of an experience of running a club. Mm-hmm. Who wants a committee? <laughs> that's very <laughs> fair. And it's actually funny you mentioned because the uh, the very first phase of the game is the board meeting. So you're going to pull a card out and the board meeting presents to you some issue or problem that you're dealing with. Right. So you've got three mm-hmm. board of directors members. You actually roll some dice. It's color coded. So the board of directors that you stack your team with at the beginning decides how how you handle the issue. So you don't really get a lot of flexibility there. So you're kind of pivoting a lot and it kind of makes it very interesting by the round. You got me hooked. I'm interested in seeing it. That's very cool. Josh, what have you been playing recently? I had the opportunity to play a tabletop submariners alum, Asger. He was on the podcast. Heat pedal to the metal, his design. Uh, we were able to talk about this with him and go really in depth to the design and stuff. And I was finally able to sit down with, now a, probably a weekly game group that I have because I don't work at the game store too much anymore and I have Wednesday nights off, I am able to go and play games and they had heat and I was super pumped. And this game lives up to the hype. It is so, so good. The experience, like if you will say, oh, it's a deck building game, I don't necessarily think it's that. It's more of a deck management game than anything because you have a set amount of cards you can get into your deck and you're managing based on your moves and what cards you get into your hand how your deck kind of plays out. So in Heat Pedal Metal, you are playing Formula One racers who are trying to race around the track and be the first one to cross it. Very typical race. What Heat has that I think other racing games don't have is excellent and very robust pressure luck mechanics. Mm-hmm. I think lots of other game racing games have pressure luck, but it's more like rolling dice or, you know, betting super high and things like that. This is actual, you know, trying to really count your cards as they come out of the deck and trying to guess what cards will come up so you don't spin out and things like that. Because in the game, when you're trying to hit these corners, if you're going too fast and you play too many cards in your hand, you're going to spin out and that's terrible. And this is a game that I would really close to being one of my favorite board game experiences. I'll share it briefly. I was in line after a two-lap race, first game to get probably first place. I was planning it out. And I had the cards in my hand and I decided to play a stress card. And my hope was that I, I would get the stress card out of my hand because when stress cards are in your hand, they stay there and they clog up your, what you're trying to do. I was hoping to play a stress card to try to make around this last turn to hopefully pull out in front and take the lead. I pull the card from the top of the deck and boom, it's a five, which put me at like 10, which puts me way over the turn limit because I, I couldn't go over two at this turn. It was like five or turn. I spun out. And I came in dead last out of six, uh, the other six racers. It was so discouraging, so horrifying, but I absolutely loved it. And when you can feel great about a game after you totally biff it and you feel discouraged, like, it's a fantastic game. So I highly recommend, worth the price point of 70 bucks, worth the game. I think this is going to be around for a long time. Heat, pedal to the metal. All right. The only thing I'm disappointed in that story is that you spun out instead of like flipping over and ball of fire and all that stuff. Spinning out is a little bit lame. That's all right. It's fine. Oh no, I, I, in my mind, I died. Like I was on fire across the line, but I finished strong. It's like, but it's like, was it Talladega Nights? Kevin, you watch yeah. movies. Yeah. He's like, ah! running out. You know what? I'm actually on fire. I think you were playing that game right because it is heat pedal to the metal, not heat. I'm sort of pushing the pedal down a little bit. No, you yeah. went pedal to the metal, and that's how you got to play that game. I metal with that pedal hard. I also, no I also spun out every single game I play to this because I can't do math. Also, just fair point. And like the designer, it's the design of the game is great because literally it counts down into the corner, so you know how many, oh, yeah. how many cards you can, you know, sort of play in terms of numbers. And I just still, I just didn't do it. Well, everything is your fault in this game. <laughs> Pretty much, everything is your fault. Andrew, what have you been playing recently? So I finally got over my. Um, 
shelf of shame, whatever you call it, opportunity thing, and pulled out Hallertown. Uh, this is a game that I've been wanting to play for a long time. It's very interesting. I still don't know if I like it, but it's so cool in the way that it does certain things. Let me explain that a little bit. So in this game, you have a little cottage that marks your thing. It tells you how many workers you have in the little cottage. But the entire game, you're gaining resources, trading resources, converting resources to then move these little different businesses to the right-hand side of your cottage a little bit to the right. So every time you give them the resources they need, it moves a little bit to the right. And every round, it gets increasingly more. So the first round, it's one. The second round, it's two. The third round, it's three. And so on in these combos that happen. The thing is, you got to do it in a way that makes all of them move semi-evenly to get them across the side. But the board is stagnant, so the resources you get from that are fine. But really what makes the game cool is the combos that you get from these cards. And there's a deck of cards, like 400 cards deep, in five or six different sections of different things. So every game you can play with a different stack of cards, and they give different bonuses and different things. The combos and the card matching thing is what the game's core loop really is that's where a lot of the fun is but the luck value is super high because if you get cards that work together you're going to be awesome and if you get cards that don't work together you're going to be struggling so there's some weird balance things this is not the kind of game i think you can play once and feel like the winner earned it you got to play this like four or five and do like a best out of five kind of situation hmm. but it is an interesting puzzle that happens, and the only real interaction in the game is the worker placement aspect. So the first person to put a guy down, it costs one worker, the second one costs two workers, and the third one costs three workers, and then it's capped. But every round you clear out workers from a different section of the board and skim off the top, so it makes certain actions cheaper, which changes every round. Really cool. Definitely recommend everybody try it, even if it's not for me, it's for a lot of people. There's a lot of cool aspects here and things I've not seen done anywhere else. So definitely innovative and worthy of trying. In terms of Rosenberg games, like how many of his games have you played and like where would you kind of put this one? I, I like Hollertow as well. I can't say it right, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I've played maybe half of his stuff. Oh, I don't think yeah. I've played everything because there's a ridiculous amount of played, mm. but I think I've played. I'm a fan of his. I like his stuff. Um, and this one I feel is different than his other things. It's not normal in a kind of a cool way. I just, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about it, but I feel good enough to recommend it to people try. I don't know if I recommend people to buy. So this game has been on my the my FLGS's sale shelf for a very long time. It's the deluxe version, and right now it's on sale for sixty percent off of its price. So it's like it's it's like thirty bucks, thirty five bucks right now. It's absolutely worth 30 bucks. Yeah. Absolutely. No question. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. So I imagine it's awesome. not going to be on that game shelf very much longer, is it? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's like five copies there. I mean, it's it's a hard one to pitch, I mean, for people sometimes because like, like when it comes to people in the game store, they're not – lots of people who work at game stores, especially mine, they – are awesome gamers they play a lot but they don't get into the really nitty-gritty stuff like i do and so it's harder for them to pitch you know hollow versus taco cat goat cheese pizza yeah, of so course. It's, it's like what do you, you want to play a game that's fun slap a game where you're saying funny words you want to play a game about the complexities of a fishing village in <laughs> norway or whatever it is and it takes like two hours to play and three hours to learn and stuff like that so I think my instruments are blinking they are getting ready saying we have to go deeper so let's go ahead and get into our dive, and let's hear Kevin's story. Kevin, regale us with tales of yore. We are here at your disposal. Our ears are yours. Ooh, all right. That sounds ooh, a lot of pressure. Okay, all right. All right I'll try not to screw it up. Listen, let me ask you this. Do you guys a game with your uh, significant others or uh, anything along those lines? 90% of the time, it's my wife and I. Mm. And the other 10% is when I'm lucky enough to get other people to join us. <laughs> right, 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 right. Same here. 90% of the time, it's with my wife. Right. 
and I'm gonna. This is a little bit about that. It's a actually, it's entirely about that about gaming with your significant other. Now, I um mm-hmm. was a gamer, you know, from from, from way back. You know, I, I played a lot of RPGs, yeah. then got into like real hobby gaming and that sort of thing. And my wife was kind of eh, hit or miss with it. She'd play something every once in a while, and so I picked up a copy of Mansions of Madness back in the day. All right. And, you know, if you're not familiar with Mansions of Madness, uh, just to give you a, a quick idea of how the game plays, it's a dungeon crawler. There's a madness mechanic that that comes into play, and it's mm-hmm. generally driven by an app these days that sort of works as your GM. OK, just so right. just in case people aren't familiar with it. So um, I was like, oh, you know what? My wife, she likes she likes Lovecraft. She likes horror. This will be fun. she'll love this. So we so we sit down. You know, it it takes a little bit to set up the the map unfolds as you're playing through the scenario as as that type of game does. Now, one bit of information that's very important is that my wife gets up very early in the morning for her job. Okay, (laughs) I do not. I'm not a morning person. I hate the mornings. I don't know why they have to exist. All right. Right. But so she will go to bed early. All right. So what will happen a lot of times is we'll start playing a game. Okay. And we will play this over a couple of nights because, you know, you, by the time you get in, you get things done, you know, you only have a little bit of gaming time. So we'll have a game set up for a while. So we start playing this game and uh, in within Mansions of Madness, a thing that can happen is a fire can break out. OK, you don't want too much fire or you might lose the game. OK, so in this you're exploring, you know, kind of through the through the areas of this either town or mansion or whatever it is so she's on one side of the mansion and a fire breaks out and i go oh hey you uh you got to put that fire out she's like hey i got i got it i'll get it next turn it's fine don't worry about it so i'm over here exploring my little area another turn goes by i'm like hey you really gotta really gotta put that fire out over there that fire is a bad deal she's like i got it i got this okay i was like fine 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 so we played a little bit more and we had to put a pin in it okay and because it was bedtime. So we didn't get to play for a few days. So every time I walked by the table, I kept looking at this fire and I was like, this, she has got to do something. This fire situation is getting, she has got to do something about this. And so we finally sit back down to play and uh, we, we play around or two. And I'm like, look, you've really got to do this fire. And she's like, well, I, I just, I don't have enough to put the fire out now. I don't know what we're going to do. I was like, you dirty. Do- oh my God. So I'm trying to run across the map. I'm fighting, you know, Lovecraftian horror monsters, trying to get there, chucking dice, doing everything I can. Finally, the fire has gotten completely out of control, burned the entire thing down and we've lost. Okay. So I'm a little mm-hmm. upset. I, I, I might even go so far as to say I was miffed. That's right. Oh, wow. miffed. So I said, why did you not put the fire out? Now, call back what I said. There is a madness mechanic in there. And if you go mad enough, you get a card that you have to adhere to. I had completely forgotten about this, that she had gotten this madness card. All right. Nay, I didn't know what any of these cards did. Her card said she could win the game if everything burned down. She fooled me. For an entire week, like metagamed within the house for an entire week. Like every time I'd be like, you're going to take care of that fire, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the fire. Don't worry about it. She is a master of deception. I would have never known that about her if I hadn't played Mansions of Madness with my spouse. Like, how do you even trust anyone after that? And I'll tell you this. That's not the that's not the only time she's gotten this. We just recently played. If you haven't played it, Mantis Falls. Uh, it's a two player. There's a hidden trader in there potentially. Okay. We, okay. We were sat out in the sunshine at a pub playing this game one day. She does it again. She's the hidden trader, and I just like a sucker believe everything she says. <laughs> That's why you have to game with your significant other because you need to remember. You need to remember what they're capable of, gentlemen. Yes. Not only what they're capable of, but you want to know where their proclivities are. You want to know where they lean. (laughs) Sounds like your wife leans toward the the traitor side. So that's that's interesting to know. And that makes things more fun. If she was only to tell the truth all the damn time, what kind of fun would life be? That wouldn't be much fun. It probably would have ruined the game. And honestly, it's one of the best gaming memories I have. Just the level of like, because she's a very like a kind of introverted person. She's a librarian, you know, so she doesn't, mm-hmm. she's, you know, that sort of thing. But the fact that she just totally just tricked me for an entire ass week, man, that's impressive. I got to, you know what? Hats off. Hats off. <laughs> so it sounds like you healed, you made up, and you're ready to be burned again. That's, I absolutely. That's, that's a- <laughs> hey i appreciate that pun in there by the way 
Ooh, I got one. Gaming with a spouse. I mean, you talk about this all the time on Blue Peg, mm-hmm. Pink Peg. It's a it's a topic that you guys discuss a lot. We've never discussed it here on Tabletop Submarine too much. So let's go. I, I want to talk about that a little bit is gaming with a partner, gaming with a spouse. You said everyone should do it. I totally agree because I have found things about how my wife thinks through gaming. And it's something that brings us closer together. So what do you, I mean, we had your great experience, Kevin, with gaming with your, your partner. Andrew, how, how is gaming with, you know, your wife, your spouse, how does that affect your relationship to an extent that you can share on the podcast? Of course, like, what does it do for you guys? Yeah, well, I would say uh, for us, you know, it gives us something active we can do together, right? Like instead of sitting there and just watching TV or, you know, uh, God bless her, she has to sit through whatever movie I pull out of Uncle Doug's Ben. You know, other than doing that, it gives us a thing that's active together. And you you would be surprised. Actually, I bet you wouldn't. How well you can bond with someone and enjoy the experience, even if you're like destroying each other's civilization or whatever it is that you're doing. You know, it kind Mm -hmm. of brings you together and it gives you those stories that you tell each other which is really cool it's great and for me and my wife it's a chance for me to to hold her in awe because my wife has a brain that works differently than mine and god (laughs) bless her she's built for board games she she knows how to manage the resources and track the tracks and and see the metagame behind the game and it's like we're playing the same game, and yet she just moves at a speed that's five miles an hour faster at all times. Like, I I win maybe 30% of the time. And it was funny, because when we first started dating, she um, didn't really know the world of board games. She played a couple of games, whatever, not like everybody else. Uh, but my family is deep into the hobby, and always has been. And my dad raised me on hobby board games. So this is my kingdom this is my i'm coming to show you all of my jewels i'm going to show you all of my grandeur and uh she came in and started kicking butt right away and so my wife is the kind of person by the way she's also an anti-trash talker she will never talk trash but as soon as you talk any bit of trash oh you've just signed your death warrant that's what that is she she will step on your neck and twist and you're, you're dead faster than you know it um one of my favorite stories actually is my sister she came to play a game with us and she was like, my favorite game is Castles of Burgundy. And my wife's like, oh, I love that game. It's great. My wife's like, oh, but you're not going to win because I'm going to beat you. Yeah, my sister came in last that game and uh, my wife made sure that she came in last. Not just that she was going to beat her, but she took all the pieces she needed to compete, essentially. She hate drafted in Castles of Burgundy in a nasty way. It was very impressive. So... I love and adore my wife, and I'm glad she's on my team, but she thinks about the world very differently than I do, and it, it makes me happy to know that's the case. Just, just straight up point blank annihilation. That's what, that's what I hear, to be honest. Well, I, I can attest to that, though. Like, when I, first, I got to more formally meet uh, Andrew's wife at Proto ATL recently, and she has a super good knack for picking up our games. She was able to be kind enough to play this in my games. And also, I was able to play test some of Andrew's games, some other people's games with her. And like within two minutes, she was picking up on stuff that I didn't realize as someone who plays a lot of games too. So she is definitely she's 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 a smart cookie when it comes when it comes to the games for sure. She's actually a perfect play tester, but you cannot show her anything that's not at the ninety five percent mark because she can destroy every aspect, and she doesn't know entirely how to sugarcoat things too much so you need to have enough playtesting done and the game needs to be close enough to finishing that you want that level of high criticism that deep dive into things but i uh, i believe that the games that i have signed are signed because of her final playtesting feedback so there's that with my wife she usually loses the first couple of games we play of something and then Mm -hmm. her brain clicks on it and it's like i'm not i'm not winning again that's not going to happen. That is 1,000% the way it happens in my house. The, the first teach, I learn the game, I teach her the game, she loses that game, probably. The <laughs> second game, it's a 50-50 chance whether I win that game. The third game, it's a 90% chance I lose that game. Yeah, 
Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. I would say too. That's the whole reason. This is just us talking. The whole reason I joined a podcast is so that I would have like a fresh flow of games coming in. Cause it's a, <laughs> you know, because I'll know that game the first time, but you know, it's the only way I ever win anything. I got to do what I got to do. You know. Just for me, real quickly, I'm a butterfly, and she's a deep diver, right? So mm-hmm. she wants to play the same game over and over and over and over again. We played Hallertau 15 times in five days. Dang. Like we just. We just deep dived it and because re- I wanted to know like how much did I need to play this game to find out if I loved it, which is what makes it so weird that I can't tell yet. But we do that with games and then we put them aside and we bring out another one and we deep dive that one. So it's all a matter of how that whole thing works out that way. With my spouse, my wife, I find that she reignites my love for certain games that she's passionate about. My wife is really into role-playing games more than... I, I'm super into RPGs, but she's especially into Dungeons and & Dragons. And there was probably a two-year time span when I just did not want to play Dungeons & Dragons. I wanted to play Call of Cthulhu. I wanted to play you know, Kids on Bikes. I want to play all the other stuff that was outside of 5th edition. And you I want to play Airbender. That. I want to play After the Last Airbender, yeah, which I, I have. I'm playing a campaign right now with that. I, I'll have thoughts more on that later. But it's it's I, I was just tired of 5th edition and how much there was to it. And for, for three years straight, I was DMing twice a week, sometimes three times a week, just doing Dungeons and Dragons. I was just pooped out. But, you know, two years later, I'm playing lots of role-playing games because I'm being paid to do it. I'm being paid to run games for people. And she gets she gets very sad because she's like, I just want to play D&D. I'm like, well, how about we play Call of Cthulhu? Or how about we play, you know, this other one, this Vampire the Masquerade? She's like, I just want to be... Dragon Slayer. I'm like, okay, fine. So I worked hard because I love her. If you're listening, babe, I love you. So I got together as people who I know in a group that I have for gaming, and I started a Dungeons and Dragons campaign recently, last two or three months. And playing it, I was intending this to be a like a three session campaign of just like them herding mammoths down a like a snowy trail, Red Dead Redemption style. And it's turned into a it's gonna turn into a year or two year campaign i'm thinking just (laughs) because how much fun i'm having and how much fun the players are having with each other now whether that's because they just mesh well or maybe i sort of know what i'm doing sometimes when it comes to setting up a campaign for dming but i i just started playing like literally last sessions like you know what i really really still love dungeons and dragons and that was such a good feeling inside because you know it was like coming home after like it's like coming home after a long trip and eating a homemade meal, like the first meal you ever made. Because D&D is what got me into tabletop hobby gaming in general, as far as RPGs go. And it, it's just so nice to have a spouse who's there to help reignite that flame that I have for board games and tabletop games. So D&D is your craft mac and cheese. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> I would say so, but like craft mac and cheese gives me the serious runs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say it's 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 my it's my taco, it's my taco because okay. my family had tacos like ground beef just ground beef tacos, like it's what we had when we were not don't have a lot of money. It's D and D's my ground beef taco. Right. They're gonna put that I, on I, like the sixth edition book D and D. It's a ground <laughs> beef taco. Let's <laughs> picture of somebody just holding a taco in their hand. Oh dear heavens. Yeah, that's funny. My wife actually, we did a uh, a solo. I was the DM or GM in this case, um, and she was the player of ki- uh, Kids on Bikes. We did like a whole uh, like a solo experience of that. That was just us drinking too much wine at our kitchen table and just giggling at all the stupid crap we came up. With. <laughs> it was so fun. That's exactly what that's for. It's it's just a conduit to that moment right like that's all it is it's just how do you get to that moment where you're just giggling and making puns and drinking your wine and saying off the wall stuff that you remember two years from now that's what that's all about dang right yeah the one with i think the most the the time i laughed the hardest at me and my wife playing game was probably going to be when we played reef emerson masucci's reef not a very well-known game people the people who play it like it but this is probably the most competitive game me and my wife play mm. we get up to like the hundreds hundreds of points in this game because we just know how to play at this at this time okay and 
early on in our playings of it, like in the fifth or sixth play, my wife was swear she was going to beat me. But you can use I just been trouncing her in this one. My wife is very good at games. Usually she trounces me. But this is the one game that I understand very well, in my opinion. So we're playing. We're doing very well. We each have like the same number of pile points. And we get to the final scoring. And the score was 60 to 61. I had won by one point. My wife literally gets up and pushes the I she's very introverted too. I have never seen her this animated. She gets up, she puts it on the table, she's like, one point? Are you kidding me? And she like starts thinking like, she's like, count me again. And I count again. And I actually, I, 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 I think I actually won by two points, but I didn't have the heart to say <laughs> what she was going to do. She was so mad. Two games later, though, after like a couple, take two games later, she actually had finally beaten me by one point. I let her have her moment in the sun. But like, it's just those moments that I, we connect because, you know, we're not watching, we're not watching whatever show we might be on that time. We're having an experience together, very tactical. And it, it, it's something we're go- not going to forget. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I love those back and forth equal skill set games. Like for me and my wife, it's Splendor. We do that. Mm. We play that one hardcore, totally silent, 10 minutes. That's all it takes us to play Splendor. But it's like, it's, yeah, it's a bet, 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 No, no, yes, you got it. That's great. I love that. Do you have a game like that, Kevin, with your spouse? You know, we initially it would have been 51st State. We played a whole bunch mm. of 51st State. And then I think we picked up a copy of Wingspan. Um, and mm. it just ended up that being like her her jam. Like she, oh, Everdell. Oh, man, Everdell. She loves Everdell, too. Yep. I wait. Am I saying Dell or Dale? It's hard to tell with my accent sometimes. And I always get like my, my chops busted when I'm like, Everdell. It's that old day, Everdell. <laughs> but yeah, that's one. Hey, I have a talking about you guys um, as gamers. It was like, would you rather win by one point or would you rather win by like a hundred points? One. Yeah. Yeah. I want it to be close. Like one of my problems, and I admit this fully, is that when I get too far behind in a game, I get discouraged. I try not to pout. I try not to throw a tantrum (laughs) and like that. But the game stops being fun if I'm not competing. If I'm watching my wife double my score, I'm tempted to say... I think I want to concede this and let you win. She doesn't let me do that, but I want to do that because I'd rather play another one, reset, and just give her that victory and, and play another one where I have a chance at being competitive. That's what I'd rather do. So 100, 100 times out of 100, one-point victory is the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on the game. I think 95% of the time I'm, I'm with Andrew, though, one point. But like, if I'm playing something like... Uh, how what's a game that has like hidden score mechanisms like there's some games with hidden scores that i like having my own little privacy and then when i review i'm like i guess who won by ten thousand points people (laughs) and everyone's like what and you you feel cool because it was all hidden but i'm not i can't think of too many games off the top of my head that are like that so i'm gonna mostly agree with one point what about yourself yeah i'm 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 in the one point column i'll say you know interesting talking about that we just played a bunch of earth and you wouldn't think it's necessarily a hidden scoring game because it isn't because it's a tableau builder. Everything's right out there. But you really don't know how many points. I mean, there's no point track, right? So you're all scoring mm-hmm. it at the end of the game. But, you know, you can see, okay, people have built their little trees or they got a bunch of sprouts or they got a bunch of cards in their compost. But you really don't know until the end of that game how somebody did. And like uh, Christina, one of our hosts, just smashed all of us. Like, I mean, just obliterate us like we weren't even playing the same freaking game man so like you just it is interesting i do i do like that i like to have some idea of how i'm rolling into an end game though you know like if i know i'm not gonna win it's like all right fine i'm just you know i'm I'm playing for third place now whatever cool but it is fun to have that reveal at the end which just all in game that is that is kind of interesting Definitely creates that stand-up moment that, whoa, wait, wait, what happened? Hold on. How did that happen? Like, there's that that cool thing that happens like that. Oh, unless it's like, I, you know what? I might take it back to, like, I'd like to I'd like to win by one point unless it's, like, one of my favorite games and then, that I've played a lot. <laughs> and then I'm like, I need to win by 100. Like, I just need, I need that because I've played more of this than you. And if I don't win, I just hate myself. So there is that. <laughs> You tie your ego into the score. That's that's a downward slippery slope, my friend. I mean, it's not working out good. I'll be honest with you, but <laughs> it's not like I'm gonna stop anytime soon. 
That was a fantastic story, Kevin. We are really down deep to the tabletop trenches right now. Talking about playing with spouses and one point versus 100 points. Let's go ahead and see what's on our radar and talk about games that are going to be in our future. I guess it's Sonar now. Because, I, I, yeah, the, the, the Willixes are going to mess with my life forever. Jeez. <laughs> so, on the Sonar. Andrew. What are you looking forward to playing in the future? So I just got my copy of Darwin's Journey. It's a Kickstarter one. It's a heavy Euro. Uh, it's about something I love. I love Darwin. I love the whole idea of him sketching a pad, going to the Galapagos, and you know the crew members and exploration and finding all these new species of animals and documenting stuff like that. So uh, I don't know enough about it. I watched, I think, a playthrough video two years ago when I backed it, and so I thought that was good enough for me, and so I booked it. So it showed up, and I now have to do the learning for it, but I wish I could say more about it other than I just love the way this thing looks. I love the, the genre it's going to attack, and from what I hear, it's it's a fairly middle to heavyweight Euro with a lot of intertwining mechanisms, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. I actually have that um, sitting in my floor right over here to play, too. So I'm kind of excited about that one. I like the theme of it. Um, you know, the weight of it seems about right for what I'd want out of that game. But I right. I, I don't. I did look on YouTube today, and I think uh, there's a John Gets Games. I think he he did like mm-hmm. a, a playthrough of it. So there is a little bit of that out there. But I tend to I tend to like to read the rule book first. So at least I know what I'm signing up for. But I'm excited about that one, too. That's a cool one. God blesses the rulebook readers, because I'm not one of them. (laughs) Josh, what are you looking forward to? So, I am looking forward to the Star Wars deck building game. Okay. Now, speaking of spouses, kind of making a loop back to it, my wife loves, loves deck building games. She adores Dominion. I have yet to play a deck building game that I like. That's the problem. I I don't like Dominion. Really? I I love yeah, I, I actually abhor Dominion in wow. so many ways. But you Andrew, did like you did like Clank. Okay, I did yeah, like Clank. Okay, okay, Clank is the exception for that. Clank is a very, very good game. And I know Arnak is a slight deck builder. Did right. you like Arnak? I've not played Arnak. Oh, oh you have to remedy that. That needs to be fixed. That or Dune Imperium, so, one of those two. Like they were kind of right along the same. Those veins. two are in my like my my sites because people say if, if you don't like those ones you're probably not gonna like deck builders i'm leaning towards dune imperium because i like dune a lot but i'll gladly play arnak because i, lo- I like the theme of arnak and that's the only hero there we're talking about star wars the deck building <laughs> game no we could talk about dune imperium because i'm a huge dune fan the reason i picked this one is because people it's a two-person deck building game for one that's something me and my wife can play and it has very similar aspects to clank where it's just a limited market that's coming out as you play and the biggest difference is that you're attacking each other with your cards. That sounds a lot, lot better to me than what I... The problem I have with Dominion is that I feel like... I mean, people say there's so much variancy in it. Like, you can pick so many different strategies. And, you know, because it's sort of cards, like, it just feels the same. Like, I'm just hoping my cards come out, which is not fun for me. And that's just, that's, that, that's a hard thing with deck builders. That's kind of their whole shtick. I'm hoping this cures it for me because it's Star Wars. That's literally what I'm hoping because I love Star Wars. I adore Star Wars. I'm hoping that it's simple enough to where I can find a good strategy with it quick enough to where it's not going to feel like a drag. I mean, I'm on a quest to find a deck builder that I like besides Clank. Like, that is my ever quest to find good deck builders because people like rave about Dominion. They rave about all these other deck builders I tried. I'm just like, I have no interest in it. But I'm on a quest to find one I like, and start the Star Wars is my next stop. Okay, Kevin, what are you looking forward to playing? I uh, speaking of getting Kickstarters that you have backed, I have this giant uh, season two of Final Girl sitting also over there near <laughs> Darwin's Journey uh, that I need to get to. Now I I'm in a w- little bit of a weird place with it because I did not play any of season one. In fact, I didn't even have the core box. But I saw, you know, all the cool minis, and it's it's also a fairly. Now I played Hostage Nego- Negotiator, which is kind of the system that the Final Girl sure, yeah. games are based on, and liked quite a bit. Great game. Um, 
And so I was interested in that. And then I also, uh, other than gaming with my beautiful wife or the Blue Peg, Pink Peg crew, I love the solo game. For me, Mm -hmm. there's something so relaxing and zen about like sticking in my earbuds in setting up a game and just being in my own little world for a couple of hours. It's just one of the yeah. best things I think you can do. And so that is exactly the kind of opportunity that final girl offers. It's, it's primarily considered to be a solo experience. If you had a friend that you wanted to make decisions with, you could probably do that, but that sounds less fun because who wants to share the decision-making. Um, but <laughs> if you're not super familiar with the theme of it, essentially you are the quote unquote final girl in a horror movie uh, and you're trying to survive whatever the scenario is. So there's um, uh, an aliens sort of one, you know, it's very, um, homage to like 1980s and 90s horror yes. movies so you've got a lot of those like characters in there and the production on this thing again i haven't played it yet i am going to get it to the table soon but the production on this thing is just out of the world you open up the box and each little scenario that you play is in its own like vhs uh esque box with you know minis and all of that sort of thing so i'm really excited to to kind of dig into that one and see where it leads yeah, Van Ryder's killing it with this one. This is really impressive. Uh, I've heard nothing but phenomenal things. I'm not a horror movie guy in general, but this game makes me want to explore that trope a little bit. Uh, but the thing is, I would want to be the bad guy, and I want to <laughs> pick people up in their sleeping bags and throw them against a tree. Like That's what I want to do there. And that's not what I can do. But still, that's that's a fun, cool thing to look forward to. I like that. I think there's a – isn't there a Dead by Daylight? Dead by daylight. I'm about to say your, that. Yeah. yeah, that might be in your wheelhouse. Then you could be the. Oh, you so could I be get the to be the bad guy. Yeah. And go around people? It's yeah. a one versus many, one versus many game where one player plays one of like various different non-infringing IP monsters, <laughs> yeah. and they're trying to kill all of the survivors. So, yeah. well, which is kill the survivors is an oxymoron, which yeah. I always get. Me, me, nitpicky gamer gets bugged. Like you can't kill a survivor, but. I'm a dork that way. Everybody's a survivor until they're not, Josh. That's how it works. I mean, I I guess, <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, semantically, I, I didn't major in English, so I don't know. But <laughs> me, <laughs> uh, well, we had kept Kevin down here long enough in the submarine. It's getting hard to breathe. Let's go ahead and shoot right back up the service and, and wrap this thing up. Kevin, it has been absolutely wonderful having you on the submarine. If people want more of you in their life, where can they go? Where can they find you? Oh, man. Well, you can, of course, catch me if I'm going to guess your listeners probably like board games. So you can catch Mm -hmm. us uh, over on Blue Peg, Pink Peg, uh, the podcast, uh, talking about board games. Of course, I do the movie podcast, Uncle Doug's DVD Bin, where we're talking about movies. Uh, If I happen to be in your town doing stand-up comedy, come see that. Uh, We also do, I'm also in an improv comedy troupe if you're in the Roanoke area, which is where, Roanoke, Virginia, that is, where we primarily perform. So if you happen to be in the area, look us up and see if we got a show booked we're kind of funny sometimes i think you're pretty funny a lot of the time are you coming to chicago mm. let me know oh i might be all right i'll let you know i'll buy you a beer at one of our fine microbreweries <laughs> sounds like a plan man so many microbreweries holy cow yeah in chicago i swear there's just a ton of them like everybody has a microbrewery in chicago i swear yeah. i thought about opening my own at one point so there you go they hide them in a deep dish pizza don't they oh totally that's what makes them so thick goodness gracious well listeners if you want to support us and support kevin please go ahead and like us on facebook tell your friends all about the podcast give us five stars on google the whole spiel we just appreciate your support as we continue to grow this podcast and try to get amazing guests like kevin on us every time we go on a voyage andrew any last parting words for our dear listeners nope I always ask, this is is an inside joke for me. I always ask Andrew that. He hates when I do it. (laughs) He likes it when I close out because I can just keep on talking. Well, anyways, well, listeners, as always, I'm Josh. And I'm Andrew. And I'm Kevin. And this has been the Tabletop Submarine.